To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a soap opera star. Gracious me, my car has storm damage and I've had to file a claim. Could it possibly get worse? Will my claims team leave me for someone else? Someone less intense? Um, no. Actually, when you file a claim with GEICO, you get your own dedicated claims team who promises to stay with you throughout the process. Oh, I've never known such loyalty. I can't wait for the second season. Geico, great service without all the drama. Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I- I'll just take one more, just to be sure. Yep, still very good. Some things never change, like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, it- is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mm. yeah. I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome to El Telejohn's La Liga Weekly. We've got an exclusive. I've worked out how the VAR payment scheme works. They get a small basic, about 50 euros a game, and the rest is done on bonuses. So they get 500 euros for every goal disallowed. They get an extra €100 if no one appeals and a bonus €200 each round for the VAR who disallows a goal furthest back from the time that it hit the net. Uh, It's €300 for every penalty taken and if you get... You get paid for retakes as well. So if, for example, the goalkeeper blinks, then you can order a retake and that's another earner. And everything is doubled if you give a decision in favour of, insert your own name of team here. Now, you need to ask yourself, everybody listening to this, why you thought of that particular team. I didn't say it. I'm alleging nothing. It was all in your head. And Gerard Piquet's head and Ike Munyain's head and... Anyway, once again, La Liga was all down to the gripping clash between the big two. It's all about the big two, isn't it? Lucas Acampos and Marco Dimitrovic. Uh, Acampos beat Dimitrovic. Dimitrovic could be the Campos, raising the question that's always bugged me. When the keeper goes in the opposition box, why is he the only one chasing the ball? All of his more competent teammates stand there watching him. The Leganes' great escape is on. All they have to do is win a couple of games to set up a great finish against Real Madrid on the final day. There was more rudeness when Alaves sacked manager Azir Garitano and replaced him with Juan Munuz. And Osasuna drew nil-nil with Hetafe, the only man in the world who watched 90 minutes. So that was Terry Gibson. And Terry, we're not even including the bar. I'm sure the bar knocked off and went for a cup of tea again. Uh, Came rushing back in. Oh, what, what happened? What can I disallow? I did watch it. <laughs> it was a cracker. Don't worry, we'll, yeah, we, we won't dwell on that one, dear listener. We will. Uh, we've got to talk about. Actually, no, let's. Let, you know what? Let's talk about the big two. As I say, the, the famous Ocampos Dimitrovic uh, clash, Terry. A tremendous entertainment, wasn't it? I mean, not for for all Vashlik, who got injured ninety-five minutes in. One nil to Severe, ninety-five minutes. Uh, Kike hits the post. There's a collision with the goalkeeper. He gets injured. Uh, and then, so they stick Ocampos in goal. Dimitrovic is up for the set piece. And it ends up with Abar's goalkeeper, uh, what, four yards out, trying to beat Sevilla's um, winger. Uh, and it, it all comes down to that moment. A tremendous entertainment. It was. And do you know what? It was It was a good game as well because Abar really played their part. They were, they were hard to break down. 
and they still posed a threat in attack. Not not every five minutes or, or whatever, but they they still gave severe enough, you know, to worry about defensively. So it was right that it was the, the game was up for grabs at the end. Severe, we have to explain, had used all their substitutions. So for the last, it was about ninety eighth minute, wasn't it? By, by the time we'd had. The treatment to Vasilik, which ended with him being stretched off, and hopefully it doesn't look good. Hopefully, you know, it's not as bad as it looked because Sevilla need him in the league and they need him for the Europa League. Um, and then we saw Diego Carlos grab the jersey initially. And and that seemed quite, a, quite plausible that the big central defender could go and go for what was going to be a throw-in. It was the last action of the game. There was only 30 seconds left when Vaslik went down injured. So it was going to be the last action of the game. It's a throw-in, which is, of course, with Abar. They're going to try and throw it into the box. They're going to try and keep it in the box. Um, so Diego Carlos seems quite, you know, if, if the young's not on the pitch, then Diego Carlos is probably the, the, the obvious choice. And Naziri was playing at the time. He could have, you, know, you, you pick your bigger players, don't you? Ocampos would have been right down my list. It would have been just above Angus <laughs> Navas. But I think he's just we're getting to know. Not only is he a good, a good player, but he's a his personality is it. You know, it, it's not a surprise that he was willing to do it. Um, he looked he looked dreadful. I mean, he, he did the goalkeeper's <laughs> shirt was too big. He didn't suit the position. Um, he said to us in the interview afterwards that the goalkeeping coach, I don't know how the goalkeeping coach got a message to him. He must have been one of the physios. Um, treating Vaslik somehow the goalkeeping coach got round and and told her Campos whatever you do don't come away from your goal line don't leave your goal and stay under the crossbar <laughs> which is I, I guess in the circumstances a long throw is going to be held into the box uh, it, it does make sense he, you know Campos doesn't go piling into a pile of defenders and attackers and tries to punch the ball and he stayed on his line. And I, I, I couldn't agree more about the goalkeeper when they come up for a corner. Why is it always them? Roberto Jimenez did the same for Alaves against Valladolid in the last minute. And, and he kept thinking about when the ball was sort of cleared out wide, he, he kept contemplating running back towards goal. And I think he ignored everybody's instructions because I think the manager was shouting something out and you could see him gesturing to the manager, up yours, I'm going up for this. He was sending outfield players back towards goal that should be better in the air than him. And he got on the end. That ball must have been cleared and put back in about five times. And the only Alaves player that got anywhere near it on any of them was the goalkeeper. So it's astonishing how... I mean, Dimitrovic last night, he's dressed all in orange. He stands out a mile. <laughs> and yet, no, he was the only one that was chucking his head on the first one, volleying the second one. He got cleared off the line. He was still trying to hack away at it in the goal scramble. Um, I mean, he was denied by Ocampos. It was a dreadful, it was a dreadful piece of goalkeeping. He got something on it, didn't he? And he flapped it and knocked it away. But just the sheer drama of a goalkeeper coming up, we all like to see it. Um, Dimitrovic isn't a particularily big goalkeeper. I mean, we've seen Courtois go up against Valencia. I think it was this season. It was such a long, long time ago. Um, and he had a header, didn't he? And I think Casemiro or Benzema got the rebound, which got them an equaliser in that game. It, it, it's great drama. Um, Dimitrovic played his part. Campos somehow flapped it away. 
Um, and then you see him smiling, saying it's after the game, it's the strangest thing he's ever done. Have you ever played in goal? No. And you think, why did you choose then to go in goal? You're not, you're not particularly big. You're not an obvious choice. Um, but he was the match winner in terms of scoring the, the, the winning goal of the game. And then great story at the end when he's flapping away and keeping out the opposite goalkeeper. So it was a really good game all the way through. It was intrigue. It was, you thought that, that Abar would create chances when they started putting more attackers on. They were hard to beat, but severe, really important win for them. And and it pretty much locks down their position now in the, the Champions League next season with a, a six-point advantage over Villarreal with four games to go. So a big win for Sevilla and a, a decent performance from Abar, but the story is about the end of the match. Yeah, so Atletico third with 62 points. Sevilla a fourth with 60 points. And then there is that six-point gap down to Villarreal. And then Villarreal and Hetafe, who play each other actually next, don't they? They're on 54-53. And then there is, there's quite a battle there, isn't there, for those uh, remaining if they want European it. places? If they, yeah. Want, <laughs> if they want it, after seeing see what's happened to Espanyol this season. Yeah, yeah. So it could be the battle the other way, couldn't it? Battle to get rid of it. Um, right, shall we? We'll move on, shall we? Let's do the the other. Well, the big controversy, I guess. Are we are we here again, Terry? It seems like not an awful lot of time that I was saying to you. The big controversy was uh, Real Madrid and the VAR and getting a penalty and an in a narrow victory. And uh, here we are again. Uh, so uh, against Athletic, time is running out. They're about to you know possibly dropping points. Uh, and they get a penalty because Danny Garcia and Marcelo go into a challenge. So in the commentary at the time, Graham Hunter was the co-com. And his first instinct is to shout no at the point that Marcelo goes down. And then the commentator doesn't really mention it. You get about another 30 seconds of play. Um, the only There's no particular reaction from Real Madrid. So according to you know my, my VAR payment schedule, uh, that's a bonus <laughs> for the VAR because he's given a decision that no one asked for uh, other than Marcelo's up half-heartedly. Yeah. Uh, and then, but once they're looking at it, he goes down and he's in agony. Then <laughs> it's a bit tactical, I think, from Marcelo. It's like, All right, suddenly hurts a bit. Right, okay, um, and then so they give that penalty. Uh, a few minutes later, then uh, Sergio Ramos stamps on Raúl Garcia's foot. So, uh, how many penalties between naught and two should have been given? <laughs> None. I don't think either a penalty. But if you give the first one, you've got to give the second one. That's that's the big issue here. I, mean, I, I think from the first one, Danny Garcia is in the act of controlling the ball. He's not even challenging Marcelo. He's letting the ball run across his body. He's taking a chance because it's something you probably shouldn't do in your own penalty area. Let the ball run across your body when an opponent is closing in. But he, he's not looking to make a challenge. He's not looking to make a foul. I see Marcelo dragging his left leg. It's his right leg that gets caught. He's dragging his left leg before he gets to the... Danny Garcia, he's going full out knowing if I can get a touch here, he might touch me. And it, it, does, it does, I think you can see it, it stands on Danny Garcia in the act of let the ball run across onto his right foot, plants his left foot and it lands somewhere. It, it does land on Marcelo's foot. But a foul to me has to be intentional. It has to be particularly clumsy. It can be an act, you know, in terms of stopping an opponent on purpose. Danny Garcia is not even making a challenge there. He's trying to attempt a piece of ill-advised skill in his own penalty area. And for Ramos, I, I can't possibly see how he's intended to plant his foot a yard behind him, even if it's Ramos, even if it's Ramos. Mm. I don't <laughs> think he intended to plant his foot behind himself to land on the foot of Raul Garcia. 
because if the other one hadn't been given, we wouldn't be talking about that challenge. Yeah. We wouldn't be discussing, oh, is that a penalty? It, no, but I don't think either were. But I think once you give one, the other one, the same sort of procedure should have applied to Athletics' appeal. Um, it, it, the, the, the penalty against Hatafe was nailed on. So that doesn't come into the equation when we're talking about that. It was a poor challenge from Matthias Oliveira on Carvajal. Um, but it, it's, it's the, I think what's, what's bewildering to a lot of people, and me included, is, is the amount of good fortune that, that does go. We, we talk about things even themselves out and stuff like that. But if you have, in, in the space of seven games, eight or nine reviews that all go your way, that's you know we can we can argue about you know how we feel it is you know debatable about all the decisions. It's good fortune um, at the very least. So it's yep. It, you know if you want things to go your way and the situation's tight, and you are fortunate enough to 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 get a sequence of VAR decisions go your way. I think Simeone makes a good point that the teams that do the most attacking will get the most penalties. I think that happens across the board, not just in La Liga. Um, but it is, it is good fortune, and, and you need good fortune to win titles. And at the moment, since we've had the return, Real Madrid, you know, pretty much every VAR decision has gone the way. You know, it, it, it's good fortune for them. It's not good fortune for their opponents. It's not good fortune for Barcelona who are chasing them. Um, but can we look any deeper than that? As I said, I think we, we, we're talking about Real Madrid getting penalty after penalty. But the one against Hatafe um, was it 100% a penalty. Um, as I said, I don't think the one against Marcelo was, but I, I don't think the one against Raul Garcia from Ramos was. But having given one, you probably, you, well, not probably, you should have given the second. But they didn't even look at it. That's my issue with VAR. The protocol seems to be all over the place at the moment. You know, well, there's a weird story, isn't there? Yeah. In, in Ass this morning, that's saying that there's basically not quite a mistranslation, but in the, because IFAB, so the, the International Football Board, is done in English. Uh, David Ellery, the old uh, Harrow headmaster, Terry, you might have, you, yeah, you'll remember him. I do. Um, so, yes. Uh, yeah, he, he, was a, he was a pompous referee and now he's in charge of the law. So I called him he, that, that's why I got booked. If anyone is to blame for the ludicrous handball law that we are saddled with in the in the VAR era, which just that toxic combination, uh, it's David Ellery. Um so they obviously it's fair enough. They write it in English, you know. It's, it is a, it's a, you know an international language for football. Fair enough, uh, but there is apparently a bit missing out of the Spanish translation of it. So they thought that they weren't allowed to look at it, which just seems weird, doesn't it? Just, I mean, I, I'm with you. I wouldn't have given either. I, I thought, you know, Danny Garcia was trying to take possession of the ball. He wasn't fouling Marcelo, um, but yeah. So it, it just seemed that it hasn't helped, has it? It hasn't. Tidied things up. So why didn't they uh, go and look at it? Why? Why was there? Why? Because they thought because it was an off the board incident that uh, because there was no challenge for the ball uh, that it wasn't a viable, uh, viable, uh, yeah, <laughs> a no, viable thing. But oh, obviously, but if he'd punched him, it obviously would have been because it would have been a red card. So I guess that's it. And they're thinking, but yeah, it just makes no sense because it would have been a penalty if the ball's in play. That's a penalty, isn't it? If if it's a foul, you know, if you if you trip a guy. Uh, off the ball in the penalty area, it's a penalty. So it, it, they should have, they should have looked at it. Um, and again, with, you know, I'm with I'm with you. I, actually, I wouldn't have given that one. But the, I think the obvious point and the point that Munyain was making: once you've given one, 
you, you really should give the other. Can I, can I read you a tweet? Uh, Lachey has got in touch. He said, aren't all Bartomeu and Piquet's conspiracy theories in bad taste? Are the fans in Spain really agreeing with Barcelona's whining? In reality, they haven't been good enough. VAR has not given the title to Real Madrid. Yeah, no, I think that the two things are different. I would I would go to say, as far as to say, that I think the former Barcelona and Real Madrid, huge contrast since the return of, of play. Um, Real Madrid have been consistent. They barely concede chances. That's got nothing to do with VAR. Um, their defending has been outstanding. Ramos has been... Uh, let's forget about his goals that he scored. You know, his leadership skills at the back. For Ran, I thought would be a miss, but Militao came in and did well. Whether it's Marcelo or Mundi at the back... They, they're doing their job as well at the moment. You know, Casemiro's evolved into a more sensible defensive midfield player now. So you see him playing pretty much just in front of Ramos and Varane. And if the full-backs both go, it's it, not unusual to see him literally two or three yards ahead of them. So I think they've got it locked down at the back. Courtois playing well in goal. You know, whoever he plays in midfield seem to be doing their job. They have struggled to score goals. They, they You know, they still... Zidane is rotating, but no one's really stood up to be prolific other than Ramos. Um, so I think that, that no, the, the Real Madrid are there on merit. Barcelona, on the other hand, you know, struggled away from home all season. Um, they've had some, I wouldn't say poor results. I think the Celta Vigo result away was poor. The the performance against Atletico was was decent. The performance away to Sevilla was decent. But I think, in, particularly against Atletico, to be ahead twice and to let them be pulled back twice to, to only draw was a, is an issue for Barcelona and, and it will cost them. But I, I, no, I, I think in general, it, 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 the point we're making is that every VR decision, if, you, if you're a Real Madrid fan, you can't deny, well, that's good, good fortune. You know, they have had good fortune. There were a number of those decisions that could have gone either way and they've all gone the way of Real Madrid. So that that's where good fortune comes into it. It's I don't think Real Madrid are playing particularly well in terms of attacking. Two 0 against Mallorca, one 0 against Espanyol, one 0 against Getafe, one 0 again at the weekend against Athletic, which is a decent, a more than decent result away from home. Um, but they're they're making sure they're error free at the back. They're not giving away too many chances. When a chance does go the way, the opposition called to our is, is in good form. So I, I still think there's work to be done. If they were beating teams 3 or 4 new and running away with it in every game, I would say that Barcelona have no chance. But I, I think in, in, in sport and in football, until the job's done, it's, it's not done. So Real Madrid have got to... They need eight points from four games. So two wins, two draws is enough to get it done for them. They've won seven on the trot. My advice, and they don't need it, and they're saying all the right things, is they need to, to win the next three. If they win the next three, the title's theirs. As soon as there's a chink in in their their progress, the momentum is fully with them. If they were to draw or you know lose a game, then doubt creeps in. Then that momentum they're on now, where they think they're invincible, they think they're unbeatable, they've got to maintain that for three more games, win all three, the title's theirs, and you, you can't argue against it. If they come back and win all 11 from the position they were in, beat Barcelona in the Clasico to go top, then they lose to Betis, and then come back after the break and win all 11, no one could argue that they, they, they don't deserve to win the league. It just It's just a shame that we're constantly talking about 
I, I wish if Real Madrid were winning these games, I wished it was two or three nil with no refereeing controversy. But why the controversy is there with so many VAR decisions going their way? It's it's nature. It's not just Barcelona fans. It's the teams they play against are moaning as well. So it's yeah. not just Barcelona's problem with Real Madrid winning the league. If I, you know, as I said, the Hatafe one was a penalty. But if I was Eibar, if I was Valencia, if I'm Real Sociedad player or Athletic Bilbao player, you'd, you'd have the ump with some of those decisions going against you. So it's this is not just about Real Madrid and Barcelona. It's it's the other teams it's affected in those games as well. But at the moment, Real Madrid deserve to be top. Um, they're getting the job done with some good fortune. But most teams that win the leagues, you know, in a tight race, need to have their big good fortune. Uh, right, you're writing all these reports, Terry, on players um, at the moment in La Liga, and you've, you've watched every player. What have you got written down about Gareth Bale and James Rodriguez? Oh, and it's incredible. It really is. I mean, you're looking at the game the other night and I'm trying to remember seeing so many games. It was Benzema up front, wasn't it? It was Rodrigo and Asensio started. Uh, Lucas Vasquez and Vinicius came on. James Rodriguez wasn't even in the squad and yet Real Madrid had two goalkeepers on the bench. That's mind-boggling that you, you, you don't even take James Rodriguez. Now I'm reading reports he refused to travel. I think it would have been a bigger story if that had been genuinely, genuinely been the case. Um, but uh, even if he refused to travel, you're telling me Real Madrid haven't got another player there that they can put on the bench as opposed to having two goalkeepers. Um, so it, it's to see Gareth Bell and James not playing any part, as well as, you know, consider Hazard is injured again. So it's, you know, it's I don't know what's going to happen. I think with Hammers it might be slightly easier. I don't think his, his wages are as high as Bell's. I don't think his transfer fee will be they, well, as high as Bell's. Um, but it, it, it is an issue. And uh, two, do you know what, what annoys me, whether it's Real Madrid or, or whoever, two players I want to see play on a regular basis for someone. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. You know, it's rubbish to see them sitting on a bench, isn't it? Or not even on a bench. Exactly. And I think James Rodriguez is a lovely footballer to watch. Gareth Bell, when he's fit and sharp and playing on a regular basis, is is the should be playing for Real Madrid still. I have no doubt. Even if Hazard was fit, they have Hazard and Bell and Benzema up front. That would be my first choice three. Um, the Vinicius and Rodrigo and Asensio and... And Lucas Vasquez and other players, you know, I still think Bale should be above those. Does he deserve on current form? Probably not, but he, it's not. He hasn't had the chance um, to get a run of games together, you know, to, to impress it down enough to, to make him an important player again. But uh, I think the point we made about we both want to see types this type of player playing for someone um, is, is a waste. Uh, on Barcelona, I think one of the real frustrations for Barcelona fans at the moment is that they have in them a five-star performance. They, they've got the ability, when it all comes together, they are a beautiful team to watch still. And there was, you know, the quality of the goals, uh, not the Pau Torres' own goal, but the Luis Suarez finish after the link with Messi, the Griezmann finish, and then Ansu Fati's no-look finish. Uh, in the middle of all that, the VAR scored his bonus by disallowing a goal because Arturo Vidal had been offside half an hour ago. Um, actually, you know what? My wife doesn't watch a lot of football, but she sat down with uh, uh, my son and I, uh, and, and we watched a bit of that. And she couldn't believe 
that they went back and disallowed it. And she said, but that was ages ago, wasn't it? That was like two passes ago. And I was like, well, what the, this is what this is the yoke in which the football fan lives these days. They go back and disallow goals for everything. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, by the by, you know the the quality of some of Barcelona's attacking play in that game uh, almost just made you more regretful for the for the times that they haven't played like that. Yeah, it was um, it, it was always going to be one of their harder games. Now I think they win their their next four games. I have no doubt about that. I think they'll relegate Espanyol when they, they beat them. They got fired. Their leader was safe. Osasuna and Alaves. So that hence the reason I say that they're, they're going to get to 85 points. Real Madrid only have to match that. because. So I think it, it's kind of the, the breaks were off. They've really got nothing to lose now. You know, with Real Madrid earlier in the day winning at Athletic. Would have been a game that they might drop points and then put them back in the race. So it's, they kind of played with them. Also, I believe that the Kike Setien is probably looking at it and thinking, you know, I was lucky to get this job, which he was. I mean, we, we have respect for him as he's as the job that he's done as Palmas and, and Betis and Lugo in the past. But, but we're looking at it and thinking, yeah, he, he probably is fortunate to get this job. And he's just been steering it. He's not, he's not been making any decisions. We haven't seen really much evidence of a Kike Setien team or a style of football. And he was getting so much criticism and everything was being, you know, under the under the magnifying glass. People were looking at his little team talks when the teams had a, have a drinks break and he was under the microscope. And he probably thought after the, the last game, do you know what? Sod this. I'm going to, if I'm not going to be here long, he doesn't want to have a, a lifetime of regrets in thinking, I should have done this. I had one chance at Barcelona and I didn't do anything. I just steered it safely in some sort of direction that I thought the players wanted to go in. And to change the tactics in the way he did, it, it was a last throw of the dice from him, I think. Not only to, to keep Barcelona in the league race, but for him to sort of get respect and have a chance of keeping the job on a longer-term basis. So to play Messi behind Griezmann and Suarez was, was brilliant. The three of them, I say a brilliant choice. It, it, it's it's quite an obvious choice, if I'm being honest. One that should have been made a while ago from Valverde. So to see the three of them playing closer to each other, Messi and Suarez had no option but to pass to Griezmann more in this game because he was closer. You know, in the past, they look up and he's out wide on the left and he's clogging up the space that Jordi Alba wants to attack in and they think, oh, no, and... Griezmann gets out of the way and they pass it to Alba and then Griezmann doesn't know where he should be after that. So to play him up front with Suarez, Messi behind, which will be the, the, the position for Messi in the future, where he can create, where he can still score goals. Um, and also I think that the opposition suited Barcelona. On paper, it's yeah, a difficult yeah. game, but Villarreal do like to play. They're a possession team. They like to get the ball down the pitch. They like to knock it about. They like to make the pitch big. And it played into the hands of Barcelona. And, you know, as opposed to playing against the team that played five across the back or four, five, one, bodies back behind the ball, make sure there's no gaps. VRL are an expressive team. So I think that the, the, the style of VRL suited Barcelona, but it was a much better performance from Barcelona, clearly. I think the style of VRL, they have to play Real Madrid. I think that gives them a chance against Real Madrid. Funny enough. Yes. Because yes, Real Madrid yeah, that open not, style, yeah. 
that open style because the, the games in recent weeks the Real Madrid have struggled against, the other team haven't had a cutting edge up front. Hatafe, mm. as well as they played, Mata was running around up front but never looked like really breaking in behind, never really looked like opening up the defence. Espanyol haven't got the potential to do it in their narrow defeat. Mallorca was 2-0, that was a comfortable win for Real Madrid. Athletic, even at the weekend, didn't really trouble, weren't able to trouble, open up the Real Madrid defence because they were still relying on getting bodies back behind the ball and then playing the, the, the quick counter-attack to Iñaki Williams and crosses to Raul Garcia. So I think that the, the, the style of Villarreal played into the hands of Barcelona. When they timed it up a bit in the second half, although the game was beyond them, it was a little bit more competitive. But then Villarreal didn't have that threat going forward that we saw in the first half. I regret, actually, I wish that Kayeka had stuck with... Because... Griezmann's goal, great goal, was on the 44th minute. Up until then, at 2-1, if they'd gone in at half-time at 2-1, you could make an argument that, although Barcelona were, were fantastic going forward, Villarreal had chances going the other way. And if I'd have been Kayeka, even at 3-1 down, and we know head-to-head and goal difference doesn't count, I think I'd have been you know, quite tempted to have stuck with that style of play that we saw in the first half, even at 3-1 down, in the hope that, you know, on the on the break, we can get Backer in, we can get Moreno in um, and possibly get it back to 3-2 and it's going to be open. We might get beat 5-1, but we might win 4-3, that sort of attitude. But he went for safety first, extra midfield players, although I'm not sure whether the, the, the strikers were injured and, and had to be replaced. But it was a terrific first half, good second half and a much better performance in Barcelona. But in all probability, too late now. Yeah, and who can argue with the lines that they drew for Gerard Moreno's goal? <laughs> uh, no, the, the, the assist on the uh, on the in the build up to the goal. Nothing the El, El, Ca- El Casa, the El Casa ball over the top, where we just saw lines. We didn't see any players. Is that the one you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it, yeah. Surely VAR had a better. They must have had a better. <laughs> I hope so, because they had to get Anguissa. Yeah. He, he was the player who hit the ball forward, wasn't he? Because it was such a long pass. <laughs> it was you saw Anguissa with the little, you know, the, the the bit of blurry action where the ball was leaving his foot, and then two lines. We never saw any players. It was the the, the, the shot was too wide to get into one frame. So hopefully, I, I, I would imagine. Do you <laughs> the VAR just <laughs> yeah, the, the the bigger picture? <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I, I've, I've stopped imagining what they do with the uh, Terry. Uh, we need to take a quick break and then we'll be back and look at the best of the rest. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with Geico, we hired fitness celebrity Billy Blanks. Okay, everybody, our car just got a broken windshield. How about we blow off some steam? Now punch, now kick. Uh, Mr. Blanks, there's no need to be stressed. Geico makes it easy to file a claim online, on the app, or over the phone. Yeah, but what if I never hear back? That's going to make me want to go jab and jab. Uh, nope. Your Geico claims team is always there for you. Okay, do I still get my post-workout protein shake? Sure, Billy. Geico. Great service without all the drama. 
If you've got an insurance question, you could talk to a park ranger, but the only quotes they'd probably give you would be about the beauty of a fallen leaf or ripples in a pond, not the kind that could save you money on your policies. Or you could talk to your local Geico agent, who's an expert navigator of the insurance landscape. They could use their expertise to guide you on ways to save hundreds on your policies, while leaving it up to your park ranger to save the wilderness and any endangered picnic baskets. Go online to geico.com local to find a Geico agent near you. Welcome back to La Liga Weekly. Uh, it is football. Not quite sure how else to explain it. It's just, you know, it's, it's La Liga. It is football. Um, right. Um, Granada 2, Valencia 2. Um, we will we'll get to the the wall on the, the Granada equalising goal. Uh, it's a similar conversation, uh, I think, that we had last week, didn't we, with players in walls just not looking at the ball, jumping out of the way when you've been put in a wall, uh, immensely frustrating, cost Valencia um, what would have been three points at the end of the day. But uh, nothing nothing is ever right with Valencia, is it, Terry? It just remains a, a confusing shambles. Yeah, uh, this, this game was astonishing. Granada were fantastic, honestly, and they battered Valencia. Valencia had five minutes where they played half decent and managed to score two goals. The first one, Manny Vallejo gets slid through and finishes off well, the young striker. And then Guedes comes on within a minute. He's rattling one in the top corner. The type of goals we remember, do you remember the ones against Betis, I think? Oh, it yes. Was? Yep. It was that type of goal and you've seen it and it reminds you of that when we thought that Guedes was going to be a well-beater uh, and Carlos Soler. They haven't progressed, but when he came on, he, it was a brilliant strike. Um, to put them 2-1 up. And you're suddenly thinking, how has this happened? Granada have dominated and been a million miles better than Valencia. Valencia offered nothing in attack. All of a sudden, two goals in five minutes after you know being 1-0 down. I think they scored their equaliser two minutes after Granada got their first goal. So it goes to show the urgency when it was needed and they stepped it up, lasted for five minutes and then they reverted back to tight. There are, they are real shambles. It needs a massive clear out of Valencia it really does they need to get the manager the choice of manager correct then they need to start looking at players that are perhaps past their best they're young players I see other good players out on loan from Valencia that they should be still at the club you know I see Nacho Vidal and, and Tony Latto are both playing for us as soon the right back and the left back both playing really well I think Latto is on loan um, Nacho Vidal is 25 and he's doing a really good job. And I'm seeing Daniel Vass and, and Florenzi playing at right back. And I'm looking at Nacho Vidal also soon and thinking, why isn't he still at Valencia? Why, mm. they, why, why did they let him go? So I see Danny Parejo is so easy to play against now for any team. He drops deeper and deeper. He gets the ball off the centre-backs. He gives it back to them or he gives it to someone five yards away. He stands there pointing at people. As soon as his team lose the ball, he can't get anywhere near playing against someone. So, Yanateki and Yangel Herrera for Granada do what all the other midfield players are doing now. They loved closing him down. They loved running off the back of him. And he doesn't even get in the attacking half of the pitch now to dictate the play like he used to. So, that they need to freshen up the midfield. They need to get decent centre-backs in. They need to somehow get the best from their really good strikers. Um, and, and that comes from getting the, the delivery in from wide or to, someone more creative and more effective in midfield than Parejo, Kondogbia or Coquelin. It's so let's nail, 
let's nail that down. Are, are you, if you're in charge of Valencia, are you getting rid of Danny Parejo? Is his time done? Uh, as a as an automatic first choice player, as an automatic leader, he's the the one constant. Whoever comes in seems to think that Danny Parejo is the the Sergio Ramos of of Valencia, and I yeah. don't I don't think that that should be the case. I think that's he the problem. Be, with a club in constant turmoil, isn't it? That, that um, you end up with players left there who no one's ever moved on, Questions. or yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, if, if he's falling into that category, isn't he? Yeah, I think it, it, I mean, Voro's there now. Voro's we, we joke, it's his sixth time as caretaker manager. And if you yeah. come in as a caretaker, and you know, you're only going to be there for a short while. Why pick on the, the, the probably the, the, the biggest. Possibly the biggest name at the club in terms of state, yeah. uh, status. So you think to yourself, I've got four or five games to do this. I'm not going to start, you know, starting fires all over the place because as soon as the season's finished, I'll go back and, and do my normal job. Whereas if I upset mm. the captain, if I upset the leader of the team, um, will I be upsetting one or two others? Who knows? I mean, you know, but I think it's an area where they're not good enough. I think but Condogbia and Coquelin would both give them that that you know energy in midfield that they lack with Parejo. But I think they're, they're a little bit similar. They both like to play deeper. They're both intelligent in terms of playing defensively. Um, Condogbia is a good passer of the ball, but they they somehow need that extra spark in midfield. They, I'm trying to think of a player that they could do with that that, that might. I mean, they talked about Soler playing in a more midfield role. Um, yeah. Where it's playing in different positions, that type of you know balance is needed in the Valencia midfield. If you play with two wingers, two strikers, you know you've got to have someone in midfield at the very least that can get about the pitch. And Parejo can't, and that's why I think when Valencia play four four two with him as one of the central midfielders, the likes of Yangel Herrera and Ateki who are twenty two years of age, love it, and they can close him down. They can run away from him. Um, and he can't chase them. So Valencia, it's. I hate to see it because I want them to be, you know, doing the similar job as Sevilla, um, playing good football, winning games, being tough to beat, and they're not at the moment. They, they, their players clearly look as if they can't wait for the season to end again. So great result for um, Granada in terms of their result for the season. For them to do what they've done, 47 points, 10th position. But in this game, they, they should have won all threes. But it was a free kick that was sums up Valencia, doesn't it? Fede Vico, yeah. one of the worst free kicks I've ever seen. It should just yeah. be hitting a player's knees in the wall with no power. And yet somehow it goes through the wall and it calls citizens on the other side of the goal. Citizens yeah. had a blinder. Absolutely fantastic. He's the only reason they got anything from, from that game. So... You know, a tough, a tough result for Granada in terms of the game, but in terms of the season, absolutely brilliant. Uh, let's have a quick look at the the bottom end there. We keep trying, I keep trying to make a, a relegation uh, battle out of somewhere. So uh, Leganes winning at Espanyol gives them uh, a tiny bit of uh, breath in their body, doesn't it? Uh, Mallorca, uh, unlucky really. Uh, I know they got well beaten in the end by uh, Atleti, but sort of Mallorca's story of the season, isn't it? You know, little, little flashes that they've given it a go. On very limited resources, um, but it's it's slipping away. They're six points behind that little group then of Celta Vigo, Abar, and Alaves. Alaves lost at Valladolid and then sacked Azia Garitano. 
after the game, replaced him with Juan Muniz, which uh, it's a bit rude, Terry, when, when they sack a manager at this stage of the season, not going anywhere, is he? Juan Muniz is... Uh, it's not. Uh, it's, it's not like the uh, high Pep Guardiola, is it? At uh, short notice, so they have obviously <laughs> just had enough of him, and, um, uh, and out he goes. So go, go on, give, give us an overview of the, the relegation. Well, it, it, Mallorca, I think, are favourites to go down. It's a shame for them. They get a great win against uh, Celta Vigo, and their next game is Atletico away. Just when you need a little bit of momentum, they've still got tough games to go. They've got to win three of them. Um, I know they're six points behind. Alaves are the obvious ones, aren't they? Because they've lost six, won one. If you go back behind it as well, I think it was another three without win, and there was another defeat. So they've barely picked up any points in the last 10 games. So they're in free fall. And they're the obvious ones. You think Celta are going to get more points? You think Abar are going to get more points? So Mallorca are probably going to need three wins, I think, out of four games. And, and they've won eight all season. So mm. it's, it's highly unlikely. Now, the three where they've got the Venti at home, winnable. Severe away, mm, I can't see him getting anything there. Granada at home, possibly, because they've been good at home this season. Granada, you know, might be putting their feet up a little bit with the, the, the second to last game and then also sooner away. So there, there are winna- some winnable games there, but the deficit is just too much. Alaves have got Real Madrid away, Hatafe at home, Betis away. Barcelona at home. So I can see why they made the change. Alaves are two are two draws or one win away from safety. And they weren't going to get that with Garitano as manager. The dynamic of the team was awful. You just looked at them every game they were losing, getting, you know, not not never looking like winning a game. So I can understand why they've made the change. Just to the literally, you know, last throw of the dice. Let's change something because Otherwise, it, you know, we're running the risk. 35 points might might still be enough. Four games' time, be interesting to look back and think, oh, they didn't need another point. They survived without winning. Or they survived losing 10 of their last 11. Um, it'd be interesting to see if, if 35 is enough. I, I, I sense it will be, actually. I think it's still, a, a, you know, for Mallorca to get seven points to go above them is... is a big task, to be honest, in four games for a team that's that hasn't won enough games this season. Espanyol gone, it's a disaster. I mean, I'm looking at them against Leganes. On paper, they're a much better team. You look at the players. Leganes put up the fight. They had a game plan. They had a manager that knows what he's doing. Espanyol have had four managers this season. Been in Europe. Um, and to see them spending £40 million in the in January transfer window and then looking at a real basket case of, you know, at the end of the season. Um, they're going to finish bottom. They're down. They will get if they get beat by Barcelona, or if they they've got to beat Barcelona to give themselves a chance in the next game at Barcelona. So I think they'll be confirmed when they play Barcelona in the camp now that Espanyol relegated, and it's a huge story. It's one we just brush over on the podcast on, on the La Liga TV, but it's a massive story for Espanyol to finish seventh last year, to be in Europe, to do well in Europe as well. Um, to then to have four managers in one season and to spend the 40 million in January and to finish bottom and look an absolute mess. It's, it's a huge story. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll have to have a, we'll have a longer chat about them, I guess, when the, when the summer finally comes, shall we? Uh, right. What else have we got to do? I think we're just about done, aren't we? Uh, Celta Vigo 1-1 and then uh, Levante, so with, with Betis and Levante 1, uh, Real Sociedad uh, 1. 
Uh, Isaac scored the goal in that one, Terry, for Real Sociedad. Had a couple of goals in a, and a couple of goal in a couple of games for the the young Swede. Who, uh, we've we've praised him before, but he's looking like a very good signing, isn't he? Oh yeah, I know. I really like him. I, I'm interested to see what the situation is over ownership. I know Real Sociedad bought him, but I think there's a buyback clause um, that Dortmund have over him because when Sociedad, Real Sociedad bought him, ten million is an absolute steal when you look at it now. When you look at some of the, the the younger players that are going around Europe, that you know, we we read in the, the UK press about the the young British players um, going for huge sums of money. Or allegedly, you know, speculation. How Ralph Sosdale picked him up for ten million? I don't know. I think there's a buyback clause that Ralph uh, Dortmund can buy him back. I've no idea of the figures. Let's say it's double twenty. They'd be out selling for forty, fifty. Um, if you compare him with some of the others, he's still a, a young player as well. He's dynamic. He's mobile. Compare with Ibrahimovic, of course, because of tall, rangy, powerful. You know, dynamic strikers, um, being Swedish. So, no, I think he's a he's a really talented player and one that we're uh, glad to have in La Liga. I'm not convinced by the Ibrahimovic combination. It's purely because they're it's the Swedish Sweden thing. You wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't think of it. No one's like Ibrahimovic. Um, I think his goal no was similar, like wasn't it? The goal yeah, against yeah, the yeah, yeah. a little bit similar, a little but, bit acrobatic at the near post with the outside of the foot finish. Yeah, but again, if he wasn't Swedish, I don't think would have. No, I don't no. think that would have occurred, would it? No, no he's just like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You know, um, I, I'm never sure it's helpful to a player um, to be the new whatever, or to, you know, to be the uh, everyone who can dribble past. Every short player who can dribble fast a few players is the whatever Messi and uh, the regional, really, the regional yeah. version of Messi. Yeah, yeah. Insert country here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The no, North so- Macedonian Messi. <laughs> now, Ralph Sosidad, Isaac, yeah, it's a shame how they've come back after the restart because we're not going to get that challenge now. When you think back, Atletico were six at the restart and they've just flown away from Hatafe, flown away from Ralph Sosidad, overtaken Sevilla. Um, so that, that's, that's been a, a big feature of the, the resumption of play. I think Vi, Vi, we have to give a mention to Vidalid as well. Because we talk about clubs like Espanyol and we talk about other clubs like Mallorca with low resources. Vidalid are the same. And who knew that they had 24 players that could all do a job? Because yeah. he's, he's changing the team. He's done it brilliant, Sergio Gonzalez. He's, I didn't know Vidalid had over 20 players they could pick from and all, all do well, all do a decent job. And I think he played a pretty much a reserve team at Atletico and they got beat 1-0. They're well organised they're a little bit defensive, but that's what you have to do. You have to be hard to beat. And this time, Joaquin Fernandez got the winner. Um, it, it makes sure that gives them, you know, they're, they're safe now, 10 points clear, which I think is a, is a great achievement. At the end of the season, we'll look back and we'll do a little feature on the teams that have, you know, punched above their weight. Five did it, have done it again. Um, so, Joaquin Fernandez with a 1-0 win against Alaves, that gets them safe. They celebrated afterwards. They knew that that result was all important. So credit to Vyatinid for, for doing so well again this season. Right, Terry. How long a gap do we have before we get any more football to watch? About <laughs> half an hour? Um, yeah, no. It, <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually six hours. <laughs> yes. So as we, we record this, by the time I think by the time it's all processed and sorted, they're probably started all over again. So, uh, And it's all done in... 
it's done in a few days, isn't it? You know, it's it's on. It's the nineteenth of July, isn't it? And it's all finished. So yeah. uh, we're not we're not far away. And it, uh, you know, a slight uh, slight anticlimax is threatening, isn't it? In the um, the, the bottom three are threatening to break away. The top the top one, and then and then Barca, and then two more Champions, and, and Champions yeah. League. Yeah. Yeah, so we're you know the Europa League battle is is still on, but you know anyway we we aren't we're, we're not far away from being there, but we're certainly not far away from another set of games, and we'll have another podcast again uh, in a few days' time, and who knows what we'll be talking about uh, the VAR probably. Anyway, we'll see you for that. Bye bye. There are many reasons why you ride. From the exciting adventure of the daily commute to the peace of mind that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service and legendary customer service. But Pamela Mund had one reason in particular. My skin is extremely averse to most fabrics, except for the soft, buttery feeling of leather. Thankfully, I found my clan of leather lovers in the biking community. It's been life-changing. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.